<laughs> Hello and welcome to Mod Night is Rubbish, episode number 26. You all right, Tom? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Marcus. Well, you're, uh, we're on part three of our, our Dada special, the final part. Oh, like thank God yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, as we will be talking about later on, I think people got quite tired of Dada towards the end as well. What, so, back in the day you're talking about? Yeah, not back like, in the day, Not yeah. like us recording. Yeah, but although, having said that, this is obviously going to be a very up to our usual entertaining standards. Um, yeah, so today... We're going to be looking at US Dada and investigating as to whether Duchamp actually did create his uh, work fountain. US Dada? Yeah. United States of Dada? Yeah. <laughs> I want to go there. That would be fantastic. And I don't know what, what it is, the United States of Dada. Yeah. It sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. It does sound good. Yeah. Um, and also we'll be talking about a useless clothesline that got stolen and also the punch-up that ended Dada in Paris. But before all this, I just want to talk about a sad death passing of Keith Flint from The Prodigy. Oh, yeah, oh, well, that was... Yeah, well, yeah. he's uh, spanned our, our like respective childhoods yeah, yeah. in Essex. Yes. He was a bit of a hero. Yeah, where we were from originally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, it's just, but I think he was particularly. If you look at him, the way he performs and the shocking kind of performances he did, and these kind of like absurd, bizarre performances, there's definitely was a Dada influence in his work. Yeah, whether direct or not, I suppose. Ah, yeah, I know. yeah. I, it was obviously we can't ask him whether he knows about Dada. Oh, no, we can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not unless we hold a Dada seance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's quite simple. a good idea. I like that idea. Yeah. Dada seance. We'll talk to Keith. Yeah. I'm sure he, hopefully he's stirring things up wherever he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, I was thinking about, I always like to open with a little, my uh, Dada story that I've experienced. And I did a piece once, which was, a, uh, you know, kind of, a, you know, you can't always get what you want. And, I was really bored. You know, you must have got sick about not having a customer service, how bad customer service is these days. Or going back a while, this actually was, it was about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, well, I know the feeling of customer service being annoying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that, yeah, you know, they don't treat you like human beings, they don't give you respect, the whole thing. You're waiting around a long time. Yeah. You can't sort your problem out, whatever it is. Well, I actively got so sick of it, I thought I wanted someone to actually give me good customer service. You called the Dada helpline? Yeah, well, as good as, I called a fetish phone sex line. Um, because I thought, well, you know, this, if someone's going to say what I want, I thought I'd do that. So I rang up this number and uh, someone answered, this woman answered. She said, oh, like, oh hello, hello. Uh, hello, you know, and I said, uh, I want some good customer service. <laughs> she says, is that what you like? Is that what you like? Do you like, do you like a bit of good customer service? Yeah. I said, yeah, I, I do. What I want to do, I want to uh, walk into a shop. Right? I'm, I'm, you own a shop. She said, oh, is that what you like? You know, you're owning a shop. I said, yeah, yeah, you, you, you're the shop owner and I'm going to walk in with a vase, right? Oh, is that, yeah, so you're walking in with a vase. And was I, she just repeating what you, what you, what <laughs> yeah, you said? There was kind of a lot of that going on, actually, because I think she was a bit... That's like mirroring, isn't it? Yeah. They use that in care work. Yeah, 
<laughs> well, I think she probably thought she had a real case on. She's probably used to like quite quite nasty talk and there's me coming on you know ringing up saying i want customer service so anyway i said to her look i'm walking into a shop and um i've got a vase here and it's clear that this vase that i'm seeking to return has been damaged by me and it wasn't a fault with the vase and i said and i want you to give me my money back oh you, <laughs> you kinky boy <laughs> and she now bearing in mind they probably would be paid about you know probably about 60p a minute so they're probably like she's probably only about 25p a minute for uh pence a minute probably not like 10p i reckon yeah 10p but still yeah. quite still reasonably well paid for for the for the thing <laughs> she um she hung up on me before she'd even taken the the vase back that's just typical Typical customer service, isn't it? <laughs> that was my uh, sort of Dada art piece. Wow. So in what, why, why is that a Dada piece? Because it's, it's absurd. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's questioning the cultural norms. It's challenging, challenging the cultural norms. What, of like uh, getting your money back for yeah. an item you broke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I felt it was quite shocking. It was clearly quite shocking to someone who would have been... Uh, used to more uh, extreme triple X kind of talk. I think she was quite shocked by it. Yeah, but we don't ring like premium phone numbers to get it normally. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I say that. That's, that's rubbish what I just said. Yeah. Take it back. They do. You, have you ever tried ringing helplines? Yeah. They don't charge. <laughs> On to US Dada. So, as we said, you know, Dada spread to many countries uh, throughout the world. In fact, you know, it actually even went as far as places like Japan, Eastern Europe, Prague. There was reported cases of Dada. So, at the time, it was the You most make it sound like a sort of unusual infection or virus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you picked up Dada. Uh, how's, your da how's your Dada going, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I got bitten by a mosquito in Japan and I come out with this uh this crazy <laughs> crazy artwork on my yeah. face <laughs> u.s dada was less political but still you know iconoclastic so it was still attacking cherished beliefs you know the idea about galleries and what could be art there were several figures which are actually too numerous to mention, but the Dada movement actually revolved in, in uh, New York around a central figure called Alfred Stieglitz, who was actually a photographer and an art promoter, famous for taking the picture of the, the Duchamp urinal. He actually took that as well. He took the photograph yeah, of yeah. it? Okay. So what I'm picking today for us to... Uh, to enjoy and for you to enjoy at home is I've picked a few of the uh, artworks that featured in American Dada. Now, the thing is, is the Dada movement in America tended to feature actual artworks rather than performances, although there were performances, but it's most, mostly actual pieces of work. First up is an artist called Francis uh, Picabia. He was a cubist and he also did some Dada works. He moved to New York from his native France 
So we're looking around about 1915, 1916. Good time to get out of France. Yeah. So almost before, before... some of the some of the things that happened in the uh, Cabaret Voltaire. So, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, mind he, you, it would have taken him a long time to get to the states, because it would oh, be yeah. by ship, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Francis Picabia produced several works uh, called Meco and Meccanomorphic. They were it's produced several works, and they were called Meccanomorphic. They're sort of drawings of what looked like designs for machines. And these machines actually uh, related to the human condition. So you can imagine if you're presented with drawings of machines that are related to humans, I think it probably would have been quite shocking that an artist represent humans as almost as soulless machines. Yeah, it doesn't seem that shocking to me, I guess. But I mean, maybe at the time, would people actually be shocked by that idea? I think they might have been more shocked in Europe than they would be in some parts of America. Like this one, that looks like a sort of arm and leg and then joints yeah, of, yeah. The human, of the human skeleton and in the middle of this, this yeah. machinery. They also have quite interesting titles. So I thought in order for us, to, uh, for us and for people listening to understand more, I thought you could have a guess at the title of each of the pieces, which I've actually had to blank out because he wrote the title on each piece. Oh, right, yeah. Right, okay, so the first one. First one is, obviously, I am the fire starter. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so bearing in mind, we said they're mechanomorphic works, which means they're relating to humans and the human condition. What might that? represent so i'm guessing from well, your clues like, what, what we're you're... talking about like human body parts or yeah, something so what are we looking at there we've got a machine and it's got two uh c- kind of c- green cylinders in the center and yeah, there's a and piston a pipe yeah there's so a piston that's going up and down in one of the cylinders it's not clear it's going up and down in the image but it uh, is but it would be i assume if it was a if it was a machine so does it uh his view sometimes his works were viewed as erotic as a clue is it the um or is something with is it the male male parts something around the male parts you're on the right lines but but what is it showing you then oh what the uh sexual act yeah yeah do you want to know what the title is yeah go on then yeah it's um voila la femme which is here is the woman does that look like a woman to you i don't know if it's like (laughs) i i not many i've never dated a woman that looked like a steam engine well I, I can't say the same myself but i don't <laughs> oh, no, i really uh, don't we'll cut that <laughs> i don't think this is like necessarily so like sexual as you made out no is the woman because it's like a steam train it's like a working so working you think woman. it's a good one so you think it's a it's a powerful image of a it's woman it's powerful yeah oh no i like that so i need to ring the um picabia hotline helpline <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well i fam like uh, reminds me of a piston engine what can <laughs> i do <laughs> that's up what it reminds you of a piston engine yes it reminds me of a piston what it reminds you of a piston engine yes <laughs> 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 Anyway, that was 45p a minute. So yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, bang up. <laughs> bang up, yeah. Shall we go on to the second one? Yeah, okay. This is, I'm going to give you a clue here, right? Bearing in mind what the last one was, this one um, we're looking at has more of a, maybe a carnival atmosphere about it. 
Yes, dancing. Earlier on, uh, when you showed me these, only a couple of minutes ago, I was like, oh, it looks like the human body, the uh, skeleton. So I'm looking at these parts that look like pieces of metal with a screw and then another bit of metal. And then the screws are kind of like, yeah. remind me of your joints, like your yeah. hip yeah. and your knee and your elbow. Ooh, nice. Yeah, and then there's a, like um, a sort of wheel with a... It's almost like a bit of machinery that it's all attached to with a kind of steam engine thing yeah. on, the, on the other side. So I was like, yeah, so it's movement. So it's like body in motion. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing. Oh, like, that's nice. I like the motion bit. Right. Yeah. So, so you're saying carnival. Carnival and motion there. You, you're right on the, you're right on the right track there. Oh, am I? Yeah. Carnival. Uh, but imagine, don't forget human condition. That is definitely. Um, well, okay, you okay. want to know what the answer is. It's called uh, Parade Amaru, which is actually a love parade. Does it look like a love parade to you? If you were imagining <laughs> a love parade where everyone is happy and, and love and singing right. Beatles, all you need is love. Mm. Or like some sort of pride festival. Yeah, would you... Does that picture represent it to you? I think if the, if it had there was a policeman's hat on it and maybe like a little flag waving a pink flag or whatever. Yeah. Or like the um, what is the pride flag called with all the colours? Oh, on the it? rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, the rainbow. A bit flag. more rainbow thing. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's a love parade. But yeah, I, I guess maybe love parades back in when was this? Nineteen fifteen. This one was nineteen seventeen. Nineteen seventeen. Yeah. So maybe love parades at that time were a bit more somber. Somber. Yeah. So, yeah more mechanical. Somber yeah. <laughs> more mechanical. More somber. <laughs> yeah, but it does have a drink up here that looks yeah. like maybe there is a bit of um, alcohol, possibly. This was before Prohibition, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'd just like to end with a random fact. This is a quite mechanical, as we've discussed. This was during the war. There was actually a little uh, story, apparently, he relayed, which was that he sent one of his paintings from uh, America back to France. It was confiscated and sent for investigation at the Ministry of Inventions. So I guess it's come from a foreign land. It's yeah. got... It's got an image of machinery, yeah, and they wanted to check it out. It's during it's, the war, yeah. It's during the war, yeah, yeah. And this is obviously before we were in such close contact with each other across seas or whatever. Do you think they build it and then they realise they've constructed a love parade? What a thing to build! I guess that's what they a century ago. What they they maybe suspected it was uh, an early large hadron collider, or maybe a small hadron collider. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Another artist that we have to mention, and we will be mentioning a bit more in the, uh, coming up, is uh, Marcel Duchamp. He was already quite a celebrity when he moved to New York in 1915. And we talked about this actually in the first episode. So what I've chosen is uh, another ready-made he made, obviously famously making the toilet, the urinal called Fountain. And it's called In Advance of a Broken Arm. And what it is, is a snow shovel that he presented in, in a gallery. Now, um, it's quite a jokey title, but... 
I've thought about this in advance of a broken arm. Why would that title relate to a shovel? That's my question. Because when you're shoveling, yeah, yeah, your arm hurts quite. Like, so I've done a lot of shoveling last few months. Tell me, tell me, your shoveling anecdotes. I have like pain in my in my arm, my elbow, both sides. Yeah. So I reckon it could be to that, or because it's got a metal bit on the end, it could be a weapon. So you've got two options for um, arm injuries, broken arms, yeah. with shovel. So you can either be shoveling snow or you could be getting hit by a, an angry customer service agent. Okay, so we will be coming back to uh, to Duchamp uh, later on. Right, so um, the next artist I want to f- talk about is um, a very important artist, and uh, her name is Elsa von Freytag Loringhoven. Where's she from? And she's a German artist, and she's considered to be the first artist to have created the first art trouvé, uh, which is first found art object, what Duchamp later referred to as a ready-made. So she predated uh, Duchamp. Is this the is this the lady who's a uh, a, a friend of Duchamp's? Yes, they? yes. She's a, she's an acquaintance. To what I've read, she wasn't a great great friend but she was in the dada circle so she was in the circle so she'd get invites to big birthdays of duchamp but maybe she'd get invited to his 50th but not his 51st yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so she was born in germany in 1874 and she moved to america in 1910 and she produced collage performance assemblage and she did poetry assemblage is just getting old found objects and uh, things she found around and making so them into... She's into, to- totally Dada by the sound yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So she's got collages, poetry. Yeah, I mean, she's a main Dada figure and she was yeah. a highly individual and expressive person. I mean, she'd create quite a striking figure. Um, sometimes she would uh, shave her head and dye it in various hues. Um, she would accessorise with things like uh, a pack of dogs. A pack of dogs. Yeah. You know, oh, like what? Yeah. An actual pack yeah, of yeah. dogs. Yeah, yeah. Actually, go out like with a load of dogs as a sort of like an accessory, like a, uh, or, or or even live birds. She even had one of her costumes was a sort of like a soup can bra. All right. So this is uh, preempting Mad- uh, Madonna. Oh no! Time, I was yeah. thinking of um, what's his name, uh, Andy Warhol. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> the first ever recorded found object was called enduring ornament, and it was was in 1913. Now, Duchamp didn't create his first complete ready-made until 1914, although that was in uh, France, which yeah. was which was a bottle rack. Okay, yeah, so this, uh, the, uh, the snow shovel yeah. is actually uh, not his first ready-made. No, no, no. Yeah, so he previously, no. before this, he'd done a bottle yeah. rack. Now, this enduring art ornament, which was 1913, um, Basically, on the way to her wedding in New York, uh, Elsa found a rusted metal ring. It's just under four inches in diameter. If you look at it, it has quite a um, 
we will put links to it if you look at it it's quite a feminine quality and it re- resembles an engagement ring i think uh, yeah but i mean if someone was wearing that as an engagement ring they must have been huge yeah <laughs> <laughs> the size of their like wedding finger yeah yeah i mean it's, it's certainly not a, a, a ring for anyone's finger and it's, yeah the first recorded find of yeah. a, a genuine giant yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um she actually gave many of her pieces spiritual or religious names i mean this is enduring ornament and i suppose it has lived on it's still known today so it has in its way become an enduring ornament and another one of his uh, keeping in the vein of uh, of her religious kind of work well not the keeping in the keeping in the vein of works that are uh, she gave religious names to is another famous work of hers called god definitely a religious yeah. name <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> She created this with the artist Morton Livingston Schamberg. He's an American artist. And what it is is a piece of uh, plumbing. It looks like something to do with drainage uh, on a plinth. And this was actually created in 1917, which was the same year as Marcel Duchamp created his urinal piece. So this is, is this again a ready-made? Yes. Like a found object, yeah. But again, the, the only difference between this and the other ready-mades is this is this has actually been placed on a... Uh, on a plinth. Yeah, indeed, yeah. yeah. Whereas... It gives it that extra je ne sais quoi. (laughs) (laughs) Is it it plumbing or not? (laughs) So again, interesting enough, it's a bit of plumbing, 1917, the same year as the urinal came out. Perhaps they would be influenced by each other. Um, Tom, I mentioned to you. I mentioned to you earlier that uh, Elsa von Freytag Loringhoven uh, may have sort of like been influenced by Duchamp with a, a piece of plumbing ready-made called God. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that perhaps. I mean, it's very, very fitting with the urinal. Yes. Well, now all these works are. It's almost like it could be one of her pieces, the urinal. Yes. <laughs> now, funny you say that, you know, I mean, Dada did. I mean, there was a lot of like mixing of ideas and uh, within the Dada thing. And it actually has been recently suggested. Funny you say that because it has actually been recently suggested that she may have been responsible for Marcel Duchamp's fountain work. And to explain this, I just need to give everyone listening a mini recap recap of the official story about the piece. You can get more detail on it on our first ever episode of Modern Art is Rubbish, which we talked about. Yeah, so after we made this episode, we had a few people contact us yes. about the work to say, no, actually, this is not Duchamp's. Yes. This Elsa uh, von something. Yeah, Elsa von Freytag Lorenhoven. She's also used to be known as the Baroness. So, All right. so we so can yeah, call her the Baroness. Yeah, yeah so we had, easy. we had, um, or a letter, we had a letter yeah, yeah. and a comment from yes, a friend. A couple of, oh, I actually had a few comments. Yeah, 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 who said actually the Baroness created the urinal yeah. and that Duchamp's just took the credit. Yes. For those who've listened, I'll just give you the uh, official uh, story about how Fountain was created. And in 1917, a urinal was picked up by Marcel Duchamp from the Mott Ironworks. Uh, he took it home and he signed it R. Mutt and entered it 
anonymously into an exhibition at the Society of Independent Artists in New York. Um, it was an exhibition that stated that any work will be accepted and basically they refused it. And as a result, Marcel Duchamp resigned from the panel of judges. That is, uh, that is the actual background to the story. Right, now, um, I've written this all down, so sorry, sorry, man. Well, can we have a break? Yes. Just get some drink. Let's have a break. I really need a wee. So, Tom, you're yeah. quite, you're quite, uh, you're, are you quite pro uh, the Baroness? I'm a Remainer. <laughs> <laughs> What's that in terms of... All uh... oh, right. Um, okay, so I've got my notes of the Baroness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're I'm, prepared I'm, to be Judge Tom as well. I'm, all right, You've I'm got to be judge, an impartial judge, and you need to be the case for the Baroness. Okay, so I need a separate voice to have the impartial judge. I'd like to hear all your arguments. Okay. <laughs> That's quite... Please, I want to hear arguments from the shops. Those who think the shops, let's hear your arguments now, please. <laughs> Maybe just do your voice and just say I'm a judge. <laughs> okay. All right, Tom. Should we do it? Are we in a pub? Oh, we're in a pub, yeah. Pub judge, pub judge. <laughs> all right, Tom. You hey, right? Marcus. Are you all right? Are you yeah. all right? Are you, you looking a bit concerned? You look a bit peed off, actually. Oh, it's this f***ing Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Apart from that, is there any art stuff that you're upset about? Oh, art stuff. Yeah, well... The Baroness, I do believe, that created the uh, urinal known as Fountain. Yeah. Often credited to Duchamp's, but I do have some evidence here that might suggest that the Baroness may have created this okay, work. Okay, yeah. So what's the first bit of evidence you've got then? The first bit? Yeah. Come on, right, get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Judge. The first bit is, well, Duchamp sent a letter to his sister a few days after the urinal was rejected by the society... The letter contained these following words. In Duchamp's voice. One of my female friends, under a masculine pseudonym, Richard Mutt, sent in a porcelain urinal as a sculpture. It was not at all indecent, no reason for refusing it. The committee has decided to refuse to show this thing. I have handed in my resignation and it'll be a bit of gossip of some value in New York. Okay, you... Um... This letter indicates that he didn't create it at all. It was actually a female friend using a masculine pseudonym that sent in this porcelain urinal sculpture. Yeah, So, but my point is on that is he's someone who's really well known and the idea of the fountain was to make it anonymous. And the other point is, and this is something that's not always said, is there's another part to this letter in which he says... Tell this detail to the family. The independents have opened here with immense success. So he's actually saying, you spread know, the word. spread the word and tell everyone that this, this person, this female friend of mine did it because he wanted to take the heat off himself. All right. So there's no indication of any heat on him, though, in the letter. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, the Baroness was living in Philadelphia at the time the urinal was submit submitted to the competition. It was a competition, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. the art, yeah. The submission form suggested that Richard Mutt lived in Philadelphia. So Richard Mutt, who uh, Duchamp's mentioned in the letter, was a female friend of his, like a female artist using the masculine pseudonym Richard Mutt. Right. The thing is, is that many artists lived in Philadelphia and it was also thought that a friend of Duchamp who used to commute a lot to Philadelphia was in on the prank. So he might have said, I'll just say she's from Philadelphia. Yeah, but like, I've visited Washington, D.C. It doesn't make me the president. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's been no evidence of the urinal being in the, the Mott Ironworks catalogue. So the Mott Ironworks is where the urinal uh, supposedly came from. Yes, is that yes, right? yes, yeah. yes. Well, the thing is, is there is a picture of a urinal that's hanging in Duchamp's studio that looks like it was actually purchased from the Mott Ironworks. So there is at least one in his studio. Also, the catalogue was produced about four years before before the date of the exhibition. So it's quite possible that the models had been changed and altered anyway. Likely, I yeah. suppose. Right. Okay, so Elsa... Well, Elsa, sorry. The Baroness was making ready-mades a year before Duchamp's even did. So she had the... Um, she did the... Oh, what was it she did? Oh, yeah, the bit of uh, piping it was as well. bit of plumbing, which yeah. she put on a plinth. Yeah. And also there was the Giants engagement ring. Yes, the Giants engagement ring, which was made before. before These the... are all items that could relate quite closely because they all look like they could be plumbing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sculpture. There is there is a plumbing vibe going on in yeah, a work with the Baroness. But Duchamp, although he didn't make a pure ready-made in 1913, he was taking found objects and combining them. He was taking like a, taking one item and another talking, item, and sticking them together. So he had done ready-made because he did the yes. snow shovel. Yes. Okay, the American. Alfred Stieglitz said he saw a woman delivering a urinal to the exhibition. Alfred Stieglitz actually said that he saw a young woman delivering it. And Elsa was actually around about 42, 43, I believe, at the time. Yeah, but how old was this American Alfred Stieglitz? Was he like 85? <laughs> I saw a young lady, she couldn't have been a day older than 50. But you know how old they looked in sort of like the early turn of the century? Anyone who's 43, they look like I, they're 90, I think, isn't it? I don't know if that's true, though, is it? I'm just making that up. Has he expressed an opinion on this question of ownership of the... Duchamp. Duchamp yeah. piece. Duchamp. Oh, he says it's Duchamp. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not really an argument against Duchamp's, is it? No. Uh... Okay. Now, the other point to be made here as well is she was an extremely outspoken character and yet she, there is no evidence of her ever saying that she created it. Yeah, so piece. we've got quite like contrary things here. So we've got actually Duchamp's saying it, it wasn't him and it was a female friend indicating it could have been... The, he didn't say the Baroness. So we've got like him saying it wasn't him in a letter to his sister. But then also... The uh, Baroness hasn't taken ownership of it, so no. it's hard to even have a case for her if she doesn't take no. ownership. Why would she not take ownership of it?
I mean, but in a lot of ways, it doesn't really matter because it's not like they designed the urinal. They just picked it out and put yeah. it there as a ready-made. Yes, exactly. So, so, so the ownership of it is more complicated, isn't it? Because it's ownership of the idea of it being art. Yeah, I don't mind. The Baroness is very important in the art in modern art history, and deserves a place in modern art history, as does Duchamp. And I think that's what so, we're concluding. So it's a proper Dada draw, one all. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Tom, we're going to talk about Paris and the end of Dada. Okay, so is this the punch-up in Paris? Yeah, although Dada lives on. But I want to give you a flavour of Dada. Now, you've got to imagine Paris is is the 1920s, so Dada's... Before Euro Disney. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You've been to Euro Disney? Uh, Yeah, I went as a school trip, yeah. Was there any Dada experiences? No, there was there was quite a few animals walking around, you know, human-sized animals. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, Is that Dada? I suppose. Were you shocked? Did it did it question your sense of cultural norms? <laughs> so, you got to imagine Paris. Dada has been around the world, bred to many countries. Paris is now this sort of great artistic, uh, important place. So. Dardaists come from from different countries to Paris. So you've got Marcel Duchamp and an American who I didn't mention who was involved in, in Dardar in the US, Man Ray and Max Ernst. Max Ernst who famously uh, attached the axe to his work. He comes to Paris and Tristan Zara, the original poet and the, the guy who considers himself now the leader of Dardar, he's in Paris as well. So it's like the... It's like the culmination of everything Dada. It's the great Dada. Extravaganza. Yeah, Dada extravaganza, that's right. Still, you've got the same level of absurdness and the same sort of strange things going on. Now, I think what would describe this, kind of like what goes on in Paris Dada, is is quite well shown by an exhibition by the American artist Man Ray, who's made photos, films paintings he had a show and it includes paintings and collages now you've got to imagine he's put a show on but it's the dada show of course what happens is him and the other dadaists for his show fill the space completely with balloons so people have to squeeze in to get into the exhibition space because it's completely filled with balloons now i've been to this in an exhibition before but this is not his work i've seen martin creed exactly yeah so, so he's been mentioned a couple of, at least a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, he's a little bit of Dada. And yeah. we have got an episode of Martin Crude, if anyone's interested, on the uh, website. Yeah, so yeah, so we discussed his balloons. Yeah, he uh, did. That was he, a, it was either at the Tate or uh, yeah. um, the... Uh, half, half the air in any given space, I think yeah, it was called. It was in London, remember. it was on the yeah. South Bank somewhere. Yeah, so yeah. this is even more crabs because it's... Hayward Gallery. Yeah, this is literally filled with balloons. So it's not even half the balloons, it's like... You cram in to this room and then with a certain signal all the dardarists popped the balloons with their cigarettes so suddenly uh, yeah, this yeah. exhibition is revealed or with their irons <laughs> yeah oh preempting the most <laughs> famous one yeah 
It's, now, remember to act surprised when I tell you about this, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the most famous work of Man Ray's, and probably the, one of the most famous Dada works ever, was called Gift. And it was a clothesline with 14 tacks glued onto it. So little tiny like nails, I suppose they are, we call them. And... Um, so look at iron of mass destruction yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i wouldn't want him to do my laundry you know with a not with an iron like that yeah it's kind of quite violent isn't it it's it's, it's about Is domestic it? and then it's quite quite masochistic so he created it actually on the day of the opening and someone liked this iron so much. I, I imagine they weren't short of an iron, but someone actually stole it the same day of the the, the exhibition opened. All oh, right, yeah. I don't know why. What would you do with that? Well, you you uh, you know put out some of them balloons, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, I mean, what would you do with it though? What would you? I mean, it's an iron with tax on it. All oh, right, yeah. I suppose you'd uh, you could leave it on your table. I guess it's a weapon. Yeah. It's almost like a weaponized iron, isn't it? Yeah. With tax on the end. Yeah, yeah. It's quite I nasty. Yeah, it could be nasty, yeah. I mean, interesting enough, this was actually created with the help of uh, Eric Satie, the composer. He's a famous French composer. Most people will have heard his music because it's used on... It's used as much on documentaries as Sigur Ross's, I think. So this like composer who uh, we heard a bit of piano music from earlier. Yeah. Are you going to play a bit? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this composer, we just heard a tiny bit of the piano there. He he took part in creating this artwork. Well, no, he was just hanging out with him and uh, you know his celebrity friends and all that. And uh, I but... mentioned he wanted his suit ironed and cut at the same time. <laughs> or <laughs> no, no, no. It's just that he just they just saw it and he helped him glue it. Right, so, yeah. yeah. And so that was how it was created. You have some more drinks in here, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so quite a clever idea, because in the early 1970s, when Man Ray was older, he released an edition of 5,000 irons, and they sold for $300 each. So that's a pretty good return. Yeah. Yeah. So was it 5,000 times 300? Yeah. So that's 50, 500. It's 1.5 million, is it? just talked about man so there was man ray and there were other artists of course as we mentioned in this mega center of dada which was paris uh, for instance uh, jean arp who we mentioned in the first episode he uh, read a newspaper whilst an electric bell was going on so you couldn't hear him at all so he kind of like recreated that common dada theme of not being able to communicate and talking and no one's been able to understand you Another one was a piano piece by Georges Redmond de Sagna and basically it comprised of totally random notes. So it wasn't scored on a music stand? No. We've got a grand piano behind you at, here at um, Modern Art is Rubbish Central. Can you give us a performance on, of random notes and how are you going to do it? Okay, Could so you I, do it? I, I guess. How would you do it? How would they do it? 
What random notes? Well, how you, you would lift your arm in the air and yeah. then you'd put it, push it down towards the piano keys until it hit hit the keys, lift up again and then do it again. Right. And maybe you'd turn a bit as you did it to okay. randomise it slightly. Okay. Like, or yeah. I don't know. Shall I just try, try, try? Get that track on Spotify and <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> Apparently, uh, people were upset by this and got quite offended, which is part of the course for uh, any Dada performances. What, offended by the randomness? I don't know. I guess it might have destroyed their like uh, their whole world if they knew that there was randomness around. Yeah. Well, that's I guess point. it could be quite bleak and upsetting. Well, it was. That was very bleak and upsetting. Your <laughs> performance, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, in Germany, they club Dada, the international Dada fair, and uh, in France, they well, had. Nowadays, we just call that Fada, wouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so cool. <It's> so cool. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> uh, they had a. Dada Festival. They put multicoloured stickers all round Paris to promote this Dada Festival. And they even had a press release. And then listen to this, this sounds pretty cool, right? Yeah. And it's announced such things as all Dadaists will have their heads shaved in public. It will feature at this Dada Festival pugilism without pain, a Dada magician. Also, as well as uh, this music, they had plays and poems, which you'd expect. And they also promised to reveal Dada's sex. Dada's sex? Yeah, the sex of Dada. So you think you've got this big show and you think, this sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Would you go? Um, yeah, you I would. guess I'd, doing this podcast about Dadaism, I'd have to go, wouldn't yeah, I? Yeah, if you had a time machine, you'd <laughs> yeah. have to go back, yeah. And the thing is, is the problem is, you get there with a bit of a letdown, actually. And I think this is it, because Dada is starting, maybe Dada is starting to lose steam. And it was a bit amateurish. I mean, one of the acts was someone released balloons from a trunk, right? And each had, like, the names written on it, like the Pope and political figures. And this guy just started attacking him with a dagger. It's a bit aggressive, really, isn't it? It's a bit kind of like... It's a bit Dada. Think they announced that they were going to get their head shaved in public, whilst with some nice real ales. <laughs> <laughs> they all, in the end, they all. Well, to what I could find out, they all chickened out. So they didn't get their head shaved. No, so that's a letdown. So as well. they chickened out. Right, and mm. I, I know is you were quite excited to uh, sort of uh, find out about what the sex of Dada was. Oh, yes, I was, Marcus. Do tell me, what was the sex of Dada? Oh, no. Yes, yeah, so you were. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah, you were, yeah, yeah. Please do. do well, unfortunately, it was, just, it was just a couple of balloons attached to a phallic-looking column. So Dada is columnist. <laughs> what do you think the audience did? And this time they actually came with armed with vegetables. Oh, they uh, pelted them, pelted yeah. the artists. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, that, that is proper Dada. Yeah. <laughs> so the actual audience was more Dada than the Dadas. Yeah. So you can imagine, 1923, a uh, lot of egos involved. Um, 
people are beginning to tire of Dada and there are many of the artists in France that were starting to look at other forms of art, you know, especially one that was inspired by dreams in the subconscious, i.e. surrealism. surrealism. Yeah. yeah. And of course you've got this big ego of Tristan Zara who still says, I am, you know, he could considers himself the leader of Dada, you know, and artists were getting tired of each other and eventually rivalries came to a head at the Theatre Michel in Paris. And this was a show that was being put on and it's actually the final Dada event and it was called The Soiree of the Bearded Heart. So you can imagine you got a lot of artists getting upset with Dada and so an event was organised. It was organised by Tristan Sara and it was to be an evening of film, piano, music and dancing and of course, you know, the required Dadaist poem, the required Dadaist poetry. Now, as I just said, it's fallen out with many of the, the former Dadaist artists. So what do you think he's going to do? He decides to perform some of their poems without their permission. Really? Yeah. See, if someone did my bah, bah, bah poem, which is obviously very well yeah. loved by me from last time, yeah. <laughs> I would be very upset. Yeah, it's not the best idea. <laughs> so, of course... Yeah. These are these are strange form of Dadaists. After hearing rumours of their works being performed, all turned up. You know, it's all a bit aggressive, as most Dada things are. And uh, also, who was quite angry and fired up was Andre Breton. Now he's a French poet, and he was loosely involved in the Dada movement as well. But he's also the founders of the Surrealist movement. You know how Dardars get upset about stuff, you know. When you say Dardars, do you mean like snowflakes? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Dardars. You know how upset people get by things in, in, in uh, it clearly seems that people get quite upset in early, the turn of the century, well, yeah. as they do now, actually, as we have said before. Yeah. Getting offended. And Andre Breton, upon hearing something referencing Picasso, he said, that's it, I've had enough. That was the thing that tipped him over the edge. Well, so he didn't want Picasso mentioned because he didn't... I have like... no idea what was said, but I think it was yeah. just probably an inner ear, you know, like an innocuous uh, yeah, reference to Picasso. Yeah, yeah, it's too mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> so Breton leapt on stage and he attacked a performer uh, who was called Pierre de Masso. And he attacked him with his cane and he actually broke Masso's arm. Okay, so he broke it with a, with his cane? Yeah, I think it's the other word, a walking stick. Walking, oh, it right, would be yeah, 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 known, yeah. Because yeah. cane seems a bit flimsy, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah The modern yeah. version of the word cane. So, of course, what happens is the police turn up. He goes to an old offenders institute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? An old offenders institute. As opposed to a young offenders. Oh, it? yeah, because he's got a cane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the police turn up yeah. and they kick Breton off the premises. Revenge was in the air, you know, you can imagine. So someone was clearly up, some people were clearly upset, like Andre Breton's friends. And a poet who was called Paul Eluard, uh, obviously angered by this, storms in to the theatre where the performances are still going on and during the performance of a play called The Gas Heart demands that Sarah comes on stage. Demands, yeah. Yeah, as you as you did, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't wait till the end of the play, you just demand in the middle of it. Yeah. I suppose it's like going into uh, Cats and demanding to see Andrew Lloyd Webber. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I often do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as Sarah goes on stage, Paul Ellerard leaps onto the stage and punches him in the face. Okay, so he's defending the performance. Yeah, he's he's upset. At his friend being kicked out previously for assault, and this escalates into a small bust up, which also ruined the set. And of course, this you couldn't get something more perfect. This signalled the end of the Dada movement, as yeah. it was known. Although, of course, we do know that Dada still lives on in art, music and comedy of today. And news, I think it's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah news. news. Made up news. And in most politicians that are... In most British politicians, it seems to be, especially conservatives, but I didn't say that. Did you say conservatives? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> other, other parties with parties with people saying stupid things that are available. Are they? Well, there's the DUP we have. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are, who are in a coalition with said conservative party. Yeah. And they're pretty. Um, they're pretty. They're not Dada. They're they're. They're pre Dada. Yeah. They're prehistoric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom, so Tom, that's it. So ends our Dada trilogy. I I, I hope you've listening at home have enjoyed so it. Enza. Zoenza. <laughs> Zoenza. Zoenza. Oh, I like Zoenza. Who ends Dada events. Yeah. <laughs> so if you listening uh, want to read more, uh, as we've only skimmed the service, as service. we've, uh, yeah. Customer service. <laughs> as we've only... Cooked... You like skimming, do you, sir? <laughs> as we've only skimmed the surface, I've put some links up to videos and links to books that you can read uh, if you want to sort of read more about Dada. And also, I will put a link up to a site that did create an interesting investigation to whether Duchamp created Fountain. Just to say, if you like the show, please subscribe. And also, it does cost us to run the podcast. So we do have a Patreon page, which is, Tom? Patreon.com forward slash rubbish. Yeah, and you can join in the conversation with us at Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash modern art is rubbish. Great. <laughs> and also, we do love to hear from you, so please email us at info at modern art is rubbish.com. Yeah. And finally, um, to celebrate a year of the podcast, uh, we want to do a show dedicated to your artwork. So if you get in contact with us at the email address, info at modern art is rubbish.com. Um, send in some works and we will have a special show and we will be talking about them and you know uh, my local pharmacy uh, yeah. here in Hove has yeah. a picture board behind the counter where people have just put pictures they've done up or people's kids like I suppose yeah. customers kids up there so it's a, a, a suggestion for art scouting yeah if you've got friends and family that do art then we will <laughs> certainly be happy to receive that if you don't do art yourself um, finally, I just believe it's buys then, Tom. Dada buys. Yeah, it's the final part. It's part for. I'm quite what? sad and quite happy in the same. What about Zoe's Ender? 
Sauersender. Sauersender. Sauersender, say bye. Say bye-bye. Bye. Say bye-bye. Bye. 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 bye.